I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Are you in it? Are you in it, Dwayne? Now, bah, yeah. Some Japanese girls. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Welcome to the Bearded Dicks. Musical. Fun time. Fuck. I'm the Beard. Oh, I'm, I'm the, the Daddy. I'm the Dicko. He's the Dicko Sicko. <laughs> Screw you with that magic goop goop. Aren't you guys glad that we give you little breaks in between our longest running series to date? Yeah, I'm sure glad. So, yeah. Dick Fetty's gonna start us off this week with his disco box. The Dick's Disco Donkey Dog Show. And we made sure that it's extra squeaky this time. You ready to open it? So it's sort of appropriate that uh, we would uh, have a creaky box today. Because I'm, I'm gonna talk about a creaky album. It's just an album that's a series of creaking sounds. It is so sick. It's like one of those Halloween CDs. You, <laughs> yeah, spooky soundtrack <laughs> for late at night. They're super spooky though. They're like I remember my old roommate had one that was just like people. It sounded like people burning alive for twenty minutes. It was fucking horrifying. Oh <sighs> no! So I'm gonna start this episode with a story, and the story is as follows: the last BDMFT. I mentioned the band Nile. They Did are, you? They are a technical death metal band from South Carolina that are themed on Egyptian shit. You mean that band that you were like, you've never listened to Nile and I told you to go fuck yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So, Nile Rule, and they're one of the first death metal bands I ever like heard in a knowing and meaningful way. I spoke about, I think when we did the Carcass episodes, this co- compilation that came out in conjunction with a book called Choosing Death about the history of death metal and grindcore. Relapse put out the book and the CD, and the CD featured a lot of Relapse records artists, unsurprisingly, one of which was Nile, and they had the song Sarcophagus, which is from In Their Darkened Shrines, which, depending on who you talk to, some consider the zenith of their work, or other people would say it's Annihilation of the Wicked, which is the album that follows. I was originally going to cover Annihilation of the Wicked, but I wanted to talk about In Their Darkened Shrines instead for two reasons. First of all, it's the album I heard first. It's also my introduction. One of my introductions to death metal was one of the first like full death metal albums I ever owned. And there's a great story about how I got it and what happened that day, and I'm going to give a brief version of that story. So for those who know, I am a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. And you are when I was not recovering and was in the beginning ish of my addiction and making extremely poor choices. I was doing an insane amount of drugs. And in the summer between my junior year and senior year, 
I overdosed twice. And it was a super bummer because it was on DXM and speed combination. So it's not fun dipping out. Like you're just, your heart feels like it's going to explode. It and feels like you're falling down a well. Yeah, but like the well is a million fucking degrees and yeah. you're sweating out like the liquids in your eyes by the end of it. It's... I like that you had to make sure people knew that like, yeah, uh, over overdosing, not fun, guys. <laughs> well, I've never overdosed on opiates. I mean, I have in the sense of I took more than the dose should have been, but I didn't fully fall out. Although I was quite sure if my eyes closed, I would die. And then it did feel like I was dying, but... I don't know. I would take that any day over what happened to me on this particular day. <laughs> so long story short, my insatiable ap for appetite for music started even before my drug addiction. But when they were both happening at the same time, it was quite poor for me. And I, <laughs> during the summer, worked first in construction cleanup and then later babysitting. And I made a lot of cash, hand over fist, essentially. And there was this big tower of records that I would go to, and once a week I would spend a, a lot of money buying a bunch of CDs, expanding my collection, and like figuring out what the fuck I liked in the world. And I had my eye on In Their Darkened Shrines, but for whatever reason I didn't pull the trigger on that, even though I was there over and over and over. So come a Saturday where I don't have to babysit, I don't have to do construction, I've just got the whole day to do drugs and chill with my friends, and my parents were away for at least overnight. And so I was like, this is going to be nuts. Like, I'm going to really go off the chain, which I was doing regardless of, you know, whatever. But I did a lot of triple C for a long time. But there were periods where every CVS, Rite Aid, Eckerd, etc. in a 10 mile radius would have no CVS or would have no triple C because I would steal it so frequently. And I also like couldn't go back to the same places too often because I didn't want to get caught stealing because I was stealing like an insane amount of triple C on a weekly basis. So I would have to supplement that with Robitussin cough gels, which had half the amount of DXM Ugh, and bleh. none of the other stuff. Yeah. So I would take, normally I took 20 triple C. I had to take 40 cough gels to trip. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I had a big package of CDs coming this day. I was waiting all day for it. It's the summertime. It's New Jersey, it's brutally hot, brutally humid. I'm driving my Chrysler Sebring 2001 <laughs> convertible, red, and partially smashed from drinking and driving. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Finally, I get fed up. Now, it's a bunch of, like, drone, abstract, music concrete, like, all this perfect DXM music, yep, but I am yep. not patient, and it's the daytime, so it's not even a good time to take DXM because it works better in the dark. But I go out, I buy my cough gels, I take them. I wind up meeting up with my one friend... And we chill for a while and he's like, are you on drugs? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, cool. But also like, I want to do something else. Cause like you like those weird drugs and I'm not about that. I take him home. I then pick up his brother who then comes over <laughs> and he's like, yo, like let's get at those robots and cough gels. And I was like, I already did, but like, we'll go back to the store. So we do. And we're waiting, we're waiting, waiting for the CDs to show up. In my drugged up infinite wisdom, we go down to the basement, pull my dad's Colt Anaconda 44 Magnum out of the fucking basement, and I am like wildly swinging it around. Now, granted, there's a box of bullets, but the bullets are all empty. Thank the fucking Lord, because one of us would have died that day. And I'm like, you know, oh, like pull it into my head the whole night. It's like, oh God. yeah, a real PSA for the dangers of drug addiction. And... As the DXM starts wearing off from me because I took it early and by myself, like the CDs still have not shown up and I'm getting extremely impatient because all I want to do is lay down and like veg out to this shit. 
So we go to pick up more cough gels and we pick up some speed on the way. And I'm like, all right, we'll do some speed now. And then I'll do the cough gels again later. And my buddy's like, well, you already took 40. So like, don't. And I'm like, okay, well, you don't know me or my limits. So I will. And we decided to take a little quick detour to tower. Now I had adopted a policy that the, uh, CDs were so relatively overpriced at tower that it would be not wrong of me to occasionally steal one to make up the difference for all the extra money they were making from me buying them. And real quick, for any of our <laughs> listeners who don't know what a Tower Records is, first of all, thank you, I'm happy you just turned 18. <laughs> uh, second of all, is a it was a huge chain of music stores that used to be fucking everywhere. Yeah, they ruled largely. And the one at Cherry Hill was really quite good. Yes, it was. And so big. Yeah, it was so big. And so, and I felt like I went there and spent money so often they did not, like they knew who I was and didn't assume I was stealing CDs. But I often did it when I was at my most drugged up. So like how I never got caught is truly amazing. And this is one of those times where like I should have been walking out with a security guard, which would have saved me from my later overdose. But we go in and I see in their darkened trines and I say, hey, I really want this CD. I think I'm going to steal it today. <laughs> and my friend is like, please don't do that. And I'm like, yeah, too late. So I'm already ripping <laughs> off the thing, stuffing it between the shelves. And I just like, it's the summertime. So I have no coat to put it in. I just hold it under my shirt and like hold my shirt and then just start to walk out. And I trip and I just like drop the CD on the ground and like pieces of it go everywhere. And I just like pick it all up and then run out the front door. <laughs> and like fast forward to then like, we listen on the way home. I'm like, the CD's sick, blah, blah, blah. It famously has Unas Slayer of the Gods, which is like maybe the most famous uh, Nile song. And then we come back and the, the trippy CDs are there. So we put those on too. Then we go to our buddy's house. I take 40 more cough gels along with additional speed. And as a result, I overdose and I almost die. And it was like a horrible thing. We played, um, what's that game? Kane, Soul Reaper, PlayStation game. Uh, Soul, Re uh, Soul, Soul Reaver, Reaver. Yeah. Legacy of Kane. Yeah. I watched my buddy play that. Well, I just sat there like wondering if I was gonna make it Pretty out of this sure overdose. I'm gonna die. It was so rough, especially because he was playing it really poorly, and I wanted to be like, "Dude, go up the thing," but like I couldn't. I couldn't. I was so broken. <laughs> but the CD stayed, and so did I on this earth, unless I'm dead, and this has all been a dream. But uh, here we are at Niles in their darkened shrines, and it's like their second proper album, I guess you would say. It, it, it's this like awesome mixture of, you know, Middle Eastern sounding solos and, and melodic bits on top of just like furious blasting death metal. The guitar tone is like kind of muddy and buzzsawy at the same time. It's really nice. Their slow bits are straight up like death doom. The vocals are fucking sick. And it has Unas Slayer of the Gods. And that song like ends with this whole... It goes between these crazy solos and upbeat parts to them doing these like spoken word bits. And it was like, Unas feeds on their entrails. His existence shall be everlasting. And then it goes... It's, it's just like, I've never not... So Niall did this album, they did the one after, and then everything they've done since has been pretty good. But like, these two albums, partially time of my life, whatever, they're just like, ah, they're just endlessly. Mm. It's basically like the Predator nah. as an album. It's <laughs> it's extremely good at what it's doing. There's nothing to really complain about. And in some ways, it's five out of five for that reason. In other senses, it's like not that important in the grand scheme. 
maybe that's a little unfair. Predator's better than Nile in some ways. But it was a hugely important album for me, and it's one that I spent a long time really digesting and being like, what is this whole death metal thing? Like, how do I wrap my head around this? And now I listen to it, I'm like, this is easy listening. I listen to necro black metal basement <laughs> demo tapes recorded on a Walkman bullshit. I listen like, to Slam now. Yeah, well, or that. So th- this, this is... This is what led me to slam. It was the seeds planted, you know, during my overdose <laughs> have ruined me as an adult or some attempt at that. So let's put on some Nile real quick. <laughs> That's the window for us. You get a pretty good picture. Oh, that's just like the intro. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. There's I, I can't play just part of Unas the Slayer of the Gods, but it's eleven minutes long, so I ain't gonna play the whole fucking thing yeah. in here and get <laughs> knocked for copyright infringement. But you know, they're just one of those bands that like, oh God forbid that I like something that's played by competent musicians with you know some level of technicality and wasn't recorded on a yak back. Like I feel like. <laughs> I should be allowed to like this stuff, even if it's not uber cult, you know? You're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I've been doing this thing where I took all the music off my phone, I've put on five albums from each letter of the alphabet, and I tried to pick stuff that I wouldn't otherwise listen to, and I'm, like, forcing myself... Because it's almost all music I own, so it's like... I spent the money at some point thinking this was worth it, so let's let's hear it again. And it's mostly been really cool because I'm like, oh shit, like I'm not in the mood for this, but I have to listen to it now. Yeah. And this album, I, I still listen to Annihilation of the Wicked with some regularity, but this one not as much. And I put on, I'm like, this album fucking rules. And then I put on Annihilation of the Wicked and I've listened to it like 10 times in the last week. And I'm like, what am I, fucking 18 again? But uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan. And I've got a funny story because next week I'm going to cover Annihilation of the Wicked. I got a little bit of a... Not an overdose story, but it's still kind of humorous. Yeah. So, I know. But, yeah, so that's my first recommendation. If you're into death metal, I'm sure you've already heard Nile. They're kind of a big deal. I like, I like how if you're into death metal, like, how many episodes of Medium <laughs> FT have we done at this point? How many disco uh, boxes yeah. have we done that how many death, death metal? metal yeah. it, it's really crazy, because if we had done this show five years ago, all I listened to was black metal. Death metal was dead to me. No you know, puns or whatever intended, but... Now it's like, 
I don't give a shit about being necro and ultra hateful. I, I still like, I want to check out the new Death Spell Omega album, which I haven't even heard yet, but, you know, I just don't care as much anymore. Partially, like me being like, do you guys play video games? Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, I think it's partially to do with global warming, I swear. It's just, like, too hot to be in the, in the <laughs> black metal anymore if you live in New Jersey, so... But, yeah, so that's my first one, and then we're going to go on theme with our current, like, main focus with Motel Hell. I had to pick, I'm like, amazingly, I have not recommended one of these albums yet, 7H Target. What am I even doing? <laughs> so... I never even put that together, oh my god. Yeah. So the I'm going to recommend their first proper album, Fast Slow Demolition, Coyote Records, 2012. It is, it was my introduction, it was the album that basically got me into slam because i heard it described as like discordance axis meets tetsuo the iron man and i thought i love those two things <laughs> like a lot they're like two of my favorite things in the whole world so okay and then they were like it's a bunch of russian craziness and the whole album is really good i have no complaints i would say that the first six tracks are a little bit stronger than the second six and as much as I'd like to play the intro track, which is just really, really exceptional, there's no vocals, so it kind of, you don't get the full flavor. I'm going to show you Drill Penis. I'm going to play the whole thing because it's like two minutes long. And visually, there are references to Tetsuo, but they also use tons of samples from all three different Tetsuo films, as well as other Tsukamoto stuff, and then later have evolved into a larger scope of Japanese cult cyberpunk cinema, and also Videodrome. So, like, these guys fucking get it. The The biggest bummer I can say is that this came out in 2012. They did an EP in 13 and then a follow-up album in 14. And then they've done one two-song promo CD two years ago now. And they've had, like, a new album forthcoming for years and years. They're supposed to come out on Willowtip at some point. But I'm afraid they've, like, lost the magic, which is why it's taking so long. And it that would be a shame because this is, like, one of the most interesting slam bands. And it's, like... It's the kind of shit that attracts, unfortunately, people that think they're better than every other... Like, they're too cool for most slam, but these guys are, like, weird enough to be okay. Because it's not all just, like, aborting fetuses four years after they're born bullshit, whatever. Like, anal gargling nightmare shit. It's, you know, it's sci-fi, so it's cool. I just, I love that it's taking us this long to get to a band that has many references to A. Tetsuo, which the director we're doing a four-part series on, yeah. and B. Videodrome, Video which is in Motel Hell's Intro. opening. Yeah, yeah like, I, weird. Yeah, I know. It is weird. It's I listen to them so frequently, I just don't even think about recommending them. So, anyways, this is Drill Penis from Fast Slow Demolition. <laughs>
so that's drill penis. And <coughs> as you can hear, there's cowbell, there's tin can snares, there's bass drops a little bit, although I don't know, it's not so much in that song. You got gurgled, like, vocals, and super bizarre, like, guitar bits, but then also full-on doi-doi slams. Yep. And it's like, dude, fuck. But I, I really appreciate that they're... Their drum production, although it's very much like modern, brutal, death metal, whatever, whatever. The way that their drummer plays has this like furiousness to it at times that it does not sound, even though they're very technical, it doesn't sound clinical. Mm -hmm. It sounds mm -hmm. wild. It sounds like Tetsuo. And the, the slams match with that. They're, everything they do after this album is a little less slammy and a little bit more technical, but I don't really mind that either. They do on their last uh, Zero Zero Apocalypse whatever album has like all these fucking bass drops. It's like, is this dubstep? When is this turning into Skrillex? But then it, it's just, and then blast beats and, and it's fucking, it's, it's like, it's insane and stupid, but also like way cooler than that. And the fucking album art rules. Yes. It's super good. So, I mean, yeah, I've got a bunch of their t-shirts. I've got a snapback and you know, flat brim, whatever. Uh, I'm shocked. I don't have their logo tattooed except for, uh, I have my own band's logo, so why would I do What else that? do you need? But, yeah, I mean, they're, like, really one of the bands I enjoyed the most frequently of all the bands I listened to in the past four years. It's just, like, how can I not like it? On every level, from execution to theme to everything, it just all lines up with what I would want Tetsuo slam metal to sound like, so... <laughs> Because you can listen, like, otherwise, when I listen to industrial music, that's Tetsuo. So it's like, I'm already hitting the mainline truth, but if I want to listen to the slam metal version of it, 7H Target is my go-to. So this is a great place to start. I mean, it's kind of the beginning, although they've got some demo EP things before this. But start here. Check out the the uh, Psy Slam Damage and then 0, 0.00 Apocalypse. And then you've basically got everything. The 2017 promo disc is good, except for the drummer's not the same drummer, although he's come back to the band since. But the, the drummer they had for that is just doesn't have that wildness to him. So it kind of is disappointing in that sense. But yeah, 7-inch track fucking rule. Fucking sick. So, so the last thing I'm going to recommend is Kieran Aurora's Formication, which is a new Harsh Noise album came out this year on Pro's Nag. The Providence-based label run by Will of Worth slash Weak Sisters, etc., etc. If you're into Harsh Noise and you follow it currently, then you've probably heard him. His album, Blinder, from two years ago was like a big deal. It sort of was a slow burn. A couple months after it came out, everybody started hearing it and were like, whoa, where, where what? Like, this is some of the best shit ever. And... He's been around for a long time. The guy, I just stayed with him last weekend. His house is exactly what you would think it would look like based on his artwork. Like, his, his house is, like, it's just, it's very eclectic and living. It's, it reminds me a lot of Umpio from Finland, but uh, a more American degenerate edge. Anyways, this Kieran Aurora, I guess the guy's out of Texas is my understanding, but I picked the CD up when I was just in Providence last weekend, and straight Hashtag from humble brag. I was playing a show. What can I say? Straight from the source, and I just happened to put it on first of the CDs I grabbed from Will. 
it's fucking awesome. Like album of the year, harsh noise stuff that I wouldn't have not knowing the name. It doesn't pull me in immediately. Aurora is even misspelled. I don't know if that's his real name or what the deal is, but I don't love that. <laughs> uh, but when you listen to it, it's like, oh, okay. The first song just sounds like a giant turbine being filled with bees and gravel and then like slowly crushed and then it all spills out and then it gets better from there. It's, <laughs> it is like so good. It's, it's very textural, but also has this like industrial type sounds to it. Although it's very much just like five slabs of massive harsh noise. It's like layers upon layers, but half of them are monolithic droney industrial sounds. And then the other bits are like slower moving, harsh noise sounds. And I really love super harsh cut up noise, killer bug style, all that kind of thing. But I really, like when I make harsh noise most of the time, it's monolithic crushing slow building type sounds. Cause right. that's like what I, it's like power electronics version of noise. I don't know. This is just fucking sick. If you're into harsh noise, check it out immediately. Reach out to Pro's Nag. Pick it up ASAP. And that's it for my disco box. We gonna close this bitch? Close it up. Scream! <laughs> One day we'll get somebody else to do our sound effects. No. Probably not. So, um, I'm not gonna... I wouldn't call this like a full review because we're barely into it. Yeah, but it's more of a premonition. Yeah, like a... Like a Premonition. Yeah, it's just it's something that Dick and Dick Dick and Fetty Dick Fetty and I have been experiencing recently that I absolutely love. We've been having a lot of fun with it. Mm. Now to give some preface to it, I played this game, God, like maybe five years ago. I played a little bit of it and was like, I gotta play this with Frank, and then we just never did. Yeah. And then they announced that it was coming out for Switch, and not only that it was coming out for Switch, but Nintendo was helping produce a sequel. Nice. The name of the game is Deadly Premonition. By Sweary. Yes, it came out in 2010 for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. Now, I looked up physical copies for both of those systems, and they're both still pretty much full fucking price. Yeah. Which is insane. And if you guys look up an image of Sweary, he is very much that Japanese game dev. Yeah. 
we'll, we'll, we'll Hideo post Kojima it. or Suda Five. We'll more, I think he's more closer to Suda Five. Yeah. Kojima's a little bit more reserved. Yeah, what and the, it's the other guy too, the guy who did Near Automata, who wears like a bubble on his head. Yeah, whose name escapes me, but yeah, it's it's that weird shit. Yeah, it's that weird shit. We'll post a picture of him. We'll post the exact picture we're thinking of on the Instagram. Sure. But this game encompasses a lot of things that I hold very sacred to my heart, one of which being Twin Peaks, mm. the other of which being just horror things in general, and just old school fun gameplay and weirdness completely. All I think of from my perspective is all of the weird shit that came out for Sega Saturn and Sega CD, but with like a big technology leap, but the same mindset of just like auteur weirdness that people are going to have to fucking like it feels so 90s on every level and mostly mostly like oh this is nice I like the 90s only 90s kids remember but you know <laughs> it, but it's like it's it's weird and it, it really I never had a Sega Saturn and I only played one a couple times but I don't know in my mind it's just like a lost Sega Saturn game that somehow got dug up from the past and thrown on the Switch even though it was a PS3 game yeah, for me, this was like one of those, like, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing that when they announced it at one of their directs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like I had mentioned, the game is hugely influenced by Twin Peaks, from the music to almost the same exact setting, and the same exact premise where there's a murder of a pretty blonde girl, and there is an FBI agent working with small town sheriffs in a town just south of Canada... Yeah. And there's a supernatural element to it. Yeah, and it's part of the string of similar murders that he's been involved in investigating, and he's aloof and bizarre and doesn't click with the people who seem nice on the surface but are weird underneath. And, I mean, it's basically just Twin Peaks but with a Japanese facelift, but also fucking weirder. And the part that will immediately stand out from the intro onwards is that the main character fucking talks to himself, and he does it in front of everybody else, and no one seems to notice... And it is hilarious and bizarre. So from what I've read, that's supposed to be like... So there's York, who's the FBI agent, and then there's Zach, Zach, who is supposed to be the person playing. So he's talking directly to the player. Ah. and I My just, name is not Zach. True. I just think it's so funny because it's... The way video games have been for the last you know few years, there are those games that are weird for the purpose of being weird like Katamari Damacy and even Untitled Goose Game, which is a much more recent one. But I don't think Sweary was trying to be weird with this. I think he was trying to be a true auteur. And I don't think he's really worked on much else other than this. He did D4, which is like Deadly de- Darkest Desire, whatever. It was some Xbox 360 game that featured the Kinect, and they were like, no. Years after they had essentially abandoned that, and was supposed to be episodic and was like a classic case of hubris where they're like, oh yeah, we're not going to do a full game, but we're going to charge a full price. And we're, it's too weird to ever get completed down the road. So like this will obviously never be finished. And I just was rewatching the zero punctuation review of it today thinking, yeah, it sounds interesting, but also it sounds less good. Like Diddly Premonition was definitely his immediate fat load and we'll see what happens with Deadly Premonition 2. But it's one of those games where 
don't concern yourself with twitchy gameplay or that type of stuff. It's not like that. It's very much like Until Dawn where you take the good, like it's more of a QTE kind of a thing. Although there is like straight up gameplay in it, but it's, it's barely challenging in any kind of meaningful way, but <laughs> except for driving. That part is challenging. But it's also hilarious. It's kind of like Crazy Taxi, except for crazier. And the the controls are bizarre. And we're playing, like, the the updated version of it, too, which is kind of terrifying to think about. But it all works well because, especially the tonal shifts are so constant and jarring that it keeps you on your toes. And even though the visuals, in some ways, like, there's some stuff where I'm like, this would just be so much better if they just did, like, one or two things, like dim the lights on those spooky sections or like do some other show. I'm like, like, what the fuck are you thinking? But it's like, it keeps you wanting to know what's going to happen next. You know, it's, it's so weird and we've been playing it together the whole time. So it's just been a ton of fucking fun. Yeah. And I know I, I've played a little bit further than where we are together Mm -hmm. and there are more investigation aspects to gameplay that we haven't quite gotten to yet. So just to, give the listeners an idea there is there's way more gameplay mechanics in there than you think there would be or maybe there even should be you have to be concerned about your hygiene about eating about sleeping there is a whole time aspect where something will happen and it's like you need to get to this place between this time and this time otherwise you miss your window of opportunity but there's also these stretches where red vines will start growing everywhere and you have to kill these ghosts Yeah, that are real weird and real interesting. But I have a feeling we'll get really tiresome after a while. Because, like I said, we haven't been too far into it. But I don't see them changing all that much. No. And I think it's just these ghost guys. And then there's a man who we presume is the killer who wears a raincoat and has a hatchet. Well, not a hatchet, a fallen axe. But it's really the story and how weird everything is the music is so unbelievably loud compared to the dialogue everything everything else and there's never there's never a volume shift in the game like it just continues to play at the volume that you've set it to and it does not matter what they're saying so it's especially good because they'll have the upbeat music blasting over sections of like somewhat tense dialogue and you're like what the (laughs) fuck like oh my god and the maybe I don't know maybe we can get some of the music thrown in this episode if you can find it but we'll let you guys will know before me but the music is actually pretty good but it all has that like really weird Twin Peaks feel and this is honestly probably the closest you're gonna get to playing a Twin Peaks video game yeah I I'd say that's true and it, the music is definitely what it makes me think of is like there's these chill down tempo bits that sound like the music in the episode waking quinn from c lab 2021 season one which is my favorite c lab episode so every time it hits the down tempo shit i'm like oh fuck i fucking love this game but yeah i i mean the thing is like you think about twin peaks and for all of its excellence like there's tons of poorly done aspects to it or like weirdly done like it's hard to say which one's intentional and which is just like some of the worst acting i've ever seen and also problematic writing, especially in season two. And this this is like a game that starts season two level bizarre and also poor. But at the same time, again, you're just still in it. it it's like all that shit with Harold in season two of Twin Peaks. Oh, get, just get him out of here. But 
I still want to keep watching. So, you know, I do think that it could become tiresome as far as the combat stuff goes, but, like, I can live with that, you know? Yeah, I honestly think that I'm assuming, and we'll probably do an update eventually, that the investigation stuff takes over more because I know at a certain point you get kind of let off the leash and you are left to your own devices as to what to do, where to go, who to speak to, and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's where kind of I got stuck, but I've also changed as someone who plays video games from when I played it five years ago to now. I like to think I'm better, but... Who knows? We'll see when we get there. Yeah, and last thing we'll mention is we did talk about this at our year-end wrap-up last year, but to me, it reminds me of the PlayStation Clock Tower game so fucking much. Like, the mixture of weird Uncanny Valley and bizarre Japanese take on, like, U.S. or Western European spooky shit. Like, it's just the things that are supposed to be spooky are are at first but then they're also wildly absurd and there's just like all sorts of weird like dream logic argento level like what the fuck but okay type stuff yeah i'm i'm in it to win it i'm totally down to play the rest of the game but it's it's yeah yeah you can get it right now on switch online i don't i'm sure there's a company that did a physical release of it or it's doing it yeah there is i've seen it on ebay you can get the digital version for 30 bucks it's not the physical version wasn't made by Nintendo, so I guarantee you it's a lot of money. Well, maybe not a lot of money, but it, it's probably a pretty penny, probably yeah. like 60, 50, 60 bucks. But I downloaded it, and the nice thing is, which people have been having issues with, especially with games like The Witcher, is you don't really get a loss of quality because it's a PS3 game. So who the fuck cares? Yeah, you know. True. Play it. It's fun. It's 30 bucks. You probably already own Untitled Goose Game, so pick this one up if you're feeling spooky in October. Yeah. Big if true. So, catch us up, you know, uh... uh so, thanks for listening. <laughs> catch us on Instagram and Facebook and uh, uh... Google Mails and all that stuff. Find us on Google Maps. Yeah. Give us hugs and kisses. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you have a problem with drugs or alcohol, check out AA. We, we do good work. It can get better. But also, don't overdose. It sucks. <laughs> and later, nerds. The more you know. Later, nerds. Later.